Welcome to Conversations with the Authors. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Daniel True. And I'm Daryl. And I'm Sandra. And I'm Nicole. Our special guest today, who is a Master of Education, right? Or you have a... Masters of Arts and Teaching. Okay, yes. A Master of Education, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and are uh, slightly different. <laughs> and uh, if you were with us last week, we're just coming off the American Library Association, where Daryl and Sandra did signings of their highly rated Eric Hoffman-nominated uh, sci-fi fantasy novel, How Nicholas Became Santa Claus. I say this because 50,000 people is a lot of readers, and I'm betting that a lot of those readers started young. And today we're going to talk about uh, the importance of reading, uh, not just as children, just being young in general and picking up a book once in a while. It's important, isn't it, for to if you're going to be a writer, to be a reader, correct? Yes, yes. So I guess we'll start... Uh, why does it matter? Why does it matter that we start reading when we're younger? Well, for starters... Uh, the vast majority of your brain development happens between birth and the age of five. Yes. So this is when it's really relevant and important to develop your brain pathways mm -hmm. and just get your mind working and you create those so that's pathways. sort of a whole, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of scenario. Yes. <laughs> Probably if you don't use it, you don't even get it. <laughs> right. Uh, true, true. Uh, and and uh, so this is... First of all, thank you, listeners, for pressing the play button. And thank you, Alexander Nakarada, who wrote the uh, music uh, to the podcast. Uh, and I'm sure that he had to learn to read, <laughs> read notes, right? To write <laughs> the theme. Uh, uh, so uh, starting to read in the beginning is important for developing all sorts of crazy skills in life, right? you know, critical thinking and problem solving. And uh, um, so uh, would reading science fiction also have some, some good benefits, uh, science fantasy fiction? What do you guys think? I, I think it would because uh, your, your mind is like a, a muscle sometimes. I like to liken it to, and it has to be stretched. And I think science fiction and fantasy can really stretch that muscle. Yes. You know, and, and you come out of the ordinary reality of life all of its rules and its physics but you get to bend those rules with science fiction and fantasy and it's amazing how uh, expansive that can be you know if you really use your imagination and if, if you use your imagination just imagine a child's brain say like our grandchildren who are currently a year old and their brains are like silly putty. Anything I smoosh the silly putty into, they it sticks to them like glue. Mm. And I can stretch it yes. and make them look like something else. A... And I can smoosh it together and mm -hmm. start all over again. Yeah, so child's mind is, is very malleable. I think mm -hmm. Nicole, right? Well, I think that's why Nicole's an educator because she she knows which is, they need to which be stretched is why, out. I guess. I guess yes. um, <laughs> Teaching children younger uh, for language purposes is great because they're so spongy. Mm -hmm. They sort of soak it up, yeah? Yeah, I mean, a child's brain is like a dry sponge. Right. It's a blank slate. So you can put a lot of information into it, and they will retain it right. for life. Right. 
But also, too, um, and we're not just talking about kids. We're talking about you know, young adults. We're talking about people who are, you know, uh, middle school, high school. You know, this is where they're getting their, they're learning how to think and problem solve, right? Yeah, I, I think learning, thinking, and problem solving starts from the very beginning. And I think it, it, uh, it starts at that so-called blank slate, mm -hmm. you know, which is, it has some aptitudes to it already. But um, I, like, I like to say uh, to people that I, I see a lot of children as, mm -hmm. a, as a psychiatrist, but I tell my adults that, um, that all the children I ever saw you know, all the adults I ever saw, rather, had been children. Yeah. So um, you want to start things as young as, as and early as possible. Right. But we were talking earlier uh, outside of the recording uh, about reading, and uh, we were talking about story time. Mm -hmm. and, and story time isn't just for small children. children. Mm -hmm. um, it is said that story time is effective all the way into adulthood. Uh. And it's a shame that we stop doing that after children hit a certain age and they're right. still very much minors because right. story time stimulates the brain. Right. It helps your comprehension, your memory. Yes. It piques your imagination. And then depending on the topic, typically right. stories pose a problem. Right. So you have to use your mind right. to analyze right. and solve this problem, especially if it's something like sci-fi or mystery right. Or anything of the like, romance even. Right. It's like, oh, what am I going to do about this person who did this thing? Or it could be something relatable to life. And so they can take that story and then they start connecting dots to what they're going through right. as well. And that's an interesting point Nicole makes about uh, uh, making these connections. And we talked uh, I, earlier I, yeah, we, I, and Nick, about Nicholas yeah. resonating with mm -hmm. the audience. So when you wrote how Nicholas became the same became Santa Claus, were you thinking about your audience and, and who your readers would be when they're picking up this material and, and this this wonderful fantasy world full of magic and creatures? And Yes, uh, I was. Yeah, we, we, we wanted to keep that in mind. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows this, uh, but the average novel is written for fifth grade, mm -hmm. for the fifth grader. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? No, right. <laughs> you know, re really, when you, when, you, when you think about it, because there there are certain levels that you write at, depending on what you're trying to do. If I were writing an insurance policy, I might write at a college level, you know, mm -hmm. and I put all the lingo and all of that other uh, mystic stuff in there. But if I were writing to tell a story to just the general public, something entertaining and something where they could really enjoy... Um, most authors will tell you they'll write it at about a fifth grade level. That's not an insult to, to people who read, but I think it's uh, it's that sweet spot that seems to be able to get everything over to your reader. You know, it's interesting you say that because uh, when I was studying at Columbia College in screenwriting, uh, one of the things that our professor would say is you have to write at a seventh grade level. You write for seventh graders. So... Uh, because your average reader is is going to read sort of at that pace and it's it's not to it's not to undermine the intelligence of the reader no not at all you know and but the but one I think, thing you, I think that you don't want somebody to do is turning to a dictionary right. every mm -hmm. time they turn a page. I think okay. that I think that it's about you know the sweet spot. You know, I think it's seventh about grade the is, is right. they understand the language that's right. being used at, at that level, mm -hmm. and it also allows for them to see the direct 
cause and effect. Here's the problem. Mm. Here's how to solve it. And if I do this different, I can prevent the whole I, thing. I think, I think Nicole will probably agree that you don't want your reader to have to stop every other paragraph and go to thesaurus to try to right. find out what you meant. But I think also, <laughs> but I think also too, that's not to say you you should encourage readers to say, "Hey, that's a new word. Let's find out what that means," or you know, what other words could I use in its place? Uh, because a lot of our listeners are writers, are trying to be writers. Uh, and they're trying to learn how to, you know, play with the language to get their story across. And a lot of the times, it's trying not to be repetitive, right? And if you, you know, look in our book, you'll notice that any time we used a new term, mm -hmm. we immediately defined it afterwards. Well, we didn't f define it in the way a dictionary might define it, but we defined it in the context right. of the story. Right. So Ah, the old you know, context. Right. Context. context. <laughs> you learn a lot by, from context. Yeah. Which and is another reason why it's important to read at a young language, at a young language, a young age, yes. because you're learning how to use context clues. So be right. like, oh, if this was happening, then this mean this must mean this. Yes, you learn to sort of associate mm -hmm. and you know, yeah, you know, of, of critical course. think these things through. That's I, I was going to say that. That's yeah. There's, uh, there's yeah. a new program out that was just uh, discussed in one of the physicians assisting magazines about at a convention mm -hmm. where they're utilizing grade school mm -hmm. between preschool and six between preschool and sixth grade at nursing homes mm -hmm. asking the patients who have been defined as having dementia to help these children learn how to read because it reminds their brain Wow. That, hey, I know how to do this. I know what that means. Mm -hmm. Can I add a little, uh, an addendum to that? Please. One of the things about Alzheimer's uh, and dementia is that people have a, a, a problem with recent memory, but they don't have a big problem with long-term memory. Mm -hmm. Very long-term memory is stored all over the brain. So they don't have the problem to retrieve that as they would if they just met somebody yesterday and, and they can't def remember their name today, you know, and that's why sometimes uh, uh, relatives who are new uh, get referred to as somebody they used to know in a, a long time that's ago right. because they have a hard time remembering recent things. The but, yeah, I see your point on that. But the program's actually called My New Grandma and Grandpa. Oh, that's wonderful. Teach me how to mm -hmm. read. But if you're going to be a writer, folks... You have to read. Right. You have Absolutely. to to learn something. You learn something from the writers right. that you read. Uh, but that isn't to say that you have to read, you know, Pride and Prejudice and all these big novels. Uh, I think, uh, as I was speaking to someone who uh, she was sharing how to speak a particular language online, and and she had said that there were several books that she had wanted to learn to read, or learn to read because people said they should read them. But it's not. What you read, but that you read, I think is what's yeah, important. Reading can be really a, a, a wellspring yes. of, of uh, inspiration. So whether you're reading articles on the Internet or you're reading comic books or manga or movie scripts or, you know, pamphlets, it's, it's engaging your mind in, I guess, different things, really. 
um, but also uh, writing at a you know, reading at a young age helps you know I think promote problem solving. I think it helps promote dealing with um, moral or uh, issues um, because your story, how Nicholas became Santa Claus, deals with a lot of issues that um, I mean young adults will deal with. I mean it talks about romance, it talks about death, it talks about war, it talks about all sorts of things that you know uh, uh, we face in the real world. And aside from it being uh, science fiction fantasy, yes, we have uh, a real, uh, real a real story yes. uh, of a of a of a boy coming to age. You know, <laughs> it's a coming of age story, and so and that's common to uh, all human beings. We all come to age. Hopefully, and, and, do you, and, and of course, <laughs> and, and of course, this is not a research-based conversation. This is really just us talking, as we normally do, off script. There's no script. We just, you know, have all been around. Uh, uh, so I wonder, Nicole, do you feel like, um, you know, that these are things that uh, our our young readers are, are, you know, can take from the story? Is that uh, these themes, uh, these scenarios? can they can sort of relate to in their own world oh absolutely and i mean one thing that's even interesting about it is you don't even have to relate sometimes you can be in direct opposition with what you read and that'll have you thinking in a completely different manner and it'll spark debates oh yes a different way of thinking oh yes yes absolutely because the good idea a good way of thinking this is 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 I, I don't like the idea of this, or I don't like the thinking on this, mm-hmm. and now why don't I like it? And it forces you to elaborate. Right. So. And when you read, when you read uh, a science fiction fantasy or text, you really engage with it, and you, you can uh, express different perspectives, or get mm-hmm. different perspectives, mm-hmm. you know, and so we all we want to we, we round ourselves out, and I think we can do that by reading. Reading is very... Very, very, and I'm going to say it, it's fundamental. Right. Uh, (laughs) And it broadens your horizons because you can learn about different cultures, Mm -hmm. uh, different practices, different food, and you don't have to leave your home to do that. Right. So you're exposed to a completely different way of thinking. Like, I can read about China if I wanted to. I can read about South Africa. I can read about... Anything. Right. And, Mars. and in the Mars. same, in <laughs> right. In the same manner, just as you mentioned, uh, it, it it gets us involved in STEM in some way, and you know the sciences and maths, right, and English, and, mm-hmm. and and we, you know, we have um, an exposure to it that may want us, may w- make us feel we want to know more, you know, just like reading. How Nicholas Became Santa Claus, reading all of these eccentric characters, magical creatures, and all these adventures that he's going on with uh, these uh, eclectic characters makes you want to know more about him and about the world of the kingdoms of Illuminae and, and all of the, you know, the denizens therein. Uh, and you guys do, uh, every time I say it, you do a fantastic job uh, really uh, putting it all together. We, we we appreciate that, and please keep saying it. <laughs> uh, I, I will. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and uh, I think also too, it 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 helps us to learn to be. And we talked about in some of our previous con, you know podcasts, we talked about speculative writing, right? Futurists, right? Mm-hmm. What could the future hold? What might it be? What if this could happen? And I think reading, 
simply allows us to be able to do that. Would you? Because it goes back to imagination. Goes back to imagination. Culture. And imagine, imagination helps you be innovative. Yes. You innovate something, you really create something, and then you have something like oh, I don't know, podcasts. Yeah. You know, <laughs> imagination is so important that there is a, a a certain very large production company which calls uh, their writers and their producers Imagineers. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, exactly. Uh, Disney, right? Mm -hmm. And because um, that, that's important. It, they emphasize the imagination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Nicole, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with me that the younger a child begins to read mm -hmm. and is encouraged to keep reading, that that gives them permission to use their imagination? Yes, not only permission, but just general access to their right. imagination because little kids little children are naturally imaginative mm -hmm. yes. because they're taking in so much of the world around them that they don't understand so it's leaving it to their own tiny young but relevant interpretation so when you feed that it helps them sharpen that skill and you just never know where they'll take it mm -hmm. you know it's so funny I, I may have mentioned it before but when I was when I was five years old mm -hmm. Uh, I remember watching television and wondering where those pictures came from. I've, using my imagination, I figured they were coming through the plug in the wall, you know, and that's, uh -huh. what it, that's where it was coming from. Uh, so it's, it's <laughs> I mean, I, I, okay. yeah, later on I found out what we all know about that. But I, I was using my imagination. And when you write science fiction, sometimes you, you can use almost that child imagination within you to come up with some interesting ideas. So uh, I saw a movie once where people uh, got sucked into a video game. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it was recently I was uh, mm -hmm. uh, Jumanji with The Rock and uh, with right. Kevin Hart. Right. And they got sucked into the video game. So as a little kid, I would say, oh, that probably could happen, you know. I mean, if it could come out, then it can go in, mm -hmm. you know. And so, but... Sometimes if you can tap that childhood imagination that we all have within us, uh, that'll help you with, with writing science fiction. Oh, yes, yes. And, uh, and uh, just going back to what you were saying about, uh, you know, uh, teaching, getting kids to read, not kids, just kids, but young adults to read uh, while they're young uh, gives them permission to use their imagination, as you said. Um, but... Uh, I think it gives them permission to explore it. You know, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking, a physicist, if you don't know him, was talking about uh, children being scientists and all that they do is an experiment and to uh, you know, tell them to stop doing what they're doing or to inhibit that is to inhibit their uh, intellectual growth in some way. I'm paraphrasing. Absolutely. Uh, but I think uh, imagination is that same way. To, to not allow a child to explore the depths of their imagination to an extent uh, in, inhibits their ability to be creative and to be imaginative. And I think in some ways uh, that can affect them uh, on a professional level because our dreamers are those who have created things like those are our MGM inventors, right? and mm -hmm. Disney and um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, SpaceX and Virgin and you know, all the of these rockets uh, to the moon, you fantastic know, and, 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 right. things. Um, and I think by saying, no, okay, it's not real, stop doing that, you're not really on the moon, uh, uh, can cause damage in a sense. Would you agree? Would you say that's... 
You know, I, 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 it, it makes me think of, of Robert Goodert. You know, Robert Goodert was a, a boy who dreamed of making rockets and sending rockets uh, into space. He was one of the, the first uh, uh, people to come up with a liquid fuel rocket. He was just a kid when he was thinking about these things. And as he grew up, he became a rocketeer. And he, he in, invented and perfected uh, fuel systems uh, uh, for rocketry. And, uh, and I think it led his dream, his imagination led to the, 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 the rockets that we have today, the rockets that took us to the moon, the rockets that bring satellites. And all of that from the imagination as a kid. Right. And imagine, when you were a kid, you imagined what it must have been like to see Santa Claus grow up and be a child like you were or to be a young adult and imagine there was a place you could go where you could find that out and as a matter of fact there is if you go to www.troopbooks.com T-R-O-U-P <laughs> you, you can go to facebook.com <laughs> thank you thank you you can go to our Instagram our TikTok and uh, check out troopbooks.com if you go to the website you can land on the author page where you can pick up a hard cover or a soft cover and as we wind down to this podcast, I just want to say thank you so much for pressing the play button. And I look for you next time on Conversations with the Authors. Mm-hmm.